is Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready. We're about to live in your head rent-free. This is episode 213. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. I'm Marcus. And I'm Cajun. Francis here in the captain's chair again, folks. New subject, completely new subject, as our friends at Monty (laughs) Python would say. We've talked about a lot of great craft. You know, that's kind of one of the themes we go back to. And uh, we kind of come up with the idea of why aren't we talking about some of the greatest craftsmen of our time as regards to the film industry? Great directors. This is our first of a long, ongoing series. Uh, kind of well, not long. Oh uh, well, hopefully it will be because there's a lot of yes, folks it is. That, yeah, there's a lot of folks that. Well, we I mean, have. we're only going to do three in a row, which well, to me is a lot. But well, uh, you're still talking about the movies, okay? Yeah, I was going to say because there's lots of options for this, and we'll we'll do some different ones. Uh, this is one of those things that is going to keep coming back to keep our listeners coming back to recognize. You know, we're always fresh. We're always talking. Well, it, it is probably it's the top level of. Mass consumption, along oh, with it is. along with television. So yes, when you when you talk about the craft of it and the creators, it's well worth discussing. Oh yeah, because same as the, same as artists and yeah, writers. The director has in it, the, the complexity involved in directing a major motion picture, and that's really what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, it is your story. It is uh, you. You ultimately are the I mean, one. You who, might not be the writer, and and your story is being interpreted by the actors, but. As a director, it's your story. And it's your responsibility, too, yeah. uh, for, for a budget in the millions, multi-millions mm-hmm. in many cases. And that's kind of where we're going we're gonna to pick one here that I think is one of the greatest directors of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a modern director. In fact, as we record this, uh, his, at the time, most recent film, Napoleon, just dropped a few, uh, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Short uh, stuff. Uh, absolutely. And I, I have not seen it yet. I've seen clips from it. I have schedule being what it is i have not been able to make it uh but it is to me it's like the final finally somebody is doing justice to this time character and place in history and from all that i've read what i've seen of course he's the guy to do it and that's ridley scott Mm -hmm. uh one of the greatest directors of our time i'm hoping that uh all of us know him. In fact, the whole Snakes and Otters owes a great deal to him because yes. our name comes from one of his pictures, the one yes. he won Best Director for, uh, 2005's Gladiator. 2001. Uh, 2000s. Yes. yes, I think Robert's correct. All right, yeah. It was it's older than 2005. Yeah. Uh, 2000, you're exactly right. Uh, and it's, it's Score one for me. Uh, you're right. It's, it's, but then again... Ridley Scott has been he's con- he's continually he's 86 years old as we record oh, this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's getting up there. And he's still turning in some amazing work. I mean Napoleon is I don't want to say it's a crowning achievement but it's certainly one of many amazing achievements that he's done uh in a career that's lasted really since 1977 when we were all kids. Mm-hmm. Uh with uh and we'll get into a little bit of that yeah. uh here shortly but I wanted to make sure Guys got comments, personal uh, anecdotes, experience, other than... Uh, well, yeah, when he and I were having lunch the other day... Oh, not that kind of personal anecdote. Well, hey, hey, if, if you had lunch with Ridley Scott, why the hell didn't you call us? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because uh, he's amazing, too. Uh, if, you've, if you've read some of the recent commentary on Napoleon, which, of course, I knew this was coming, uh, there's... 
they 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 always find historians somewhere those yeah. quote unquote historians somewhere that said well you know Napoleon wasn't really present at uh, Marie Antoinette's beheading and they should really Scott should know better than portraying that I'm thinking and Scott doesn't miss a beat it's like, they, dude it's a movie it's exactly <laughs> it thank you very much he says but you know what though. Welcome to Creative License. I, who can Thank prove you. that is one of But people do tend to take film as gospel. Exactly. People yeah. take film as well. It was. It's well. It's it's like Abraham Lincoln and the Internet. He said so, so it must be true. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's. I, I, I saw, saw him. Fight, but they, I saw him fight zombies. Exactly. Yeah. Lincoln, that was right. Yeah, yeah. vampires. I mean, did that vampires, roll right. call? I mean, that's one that's beheading or something there that they can go back well, I mean, and check the log on who exactly was and. I mean, they may have valid, you know. I mean, yeah, they may know made, he was but... somewhere else. But the point is, though, a lot of uh, uh, Braveheart is a great example. Yeah. Huge liberties, horrible history in that, yeah. but a great yeah. movie. But a great, great movie. Yeah. So it's entertainment, not a it documentary. is. But the but. For those of us that are really big into you know history, mm-hmm. the real history buffs, the fact that that people are going to to see those things and think, okay, yes, so William Wallace is you know the the guy slept with his wife, and then you know just a few years later this happened, and you know this all that stuff that becomes history for so that many. becomes yeah. history. Yeah, yeah he, um, he was, doesn't know any better. Yeah, mm-hmm. not William Wallace was not the father of an English king. Right, that's right. <laughs> and the third, who I'll was arguably that, one of the greatest, yeah, Edward the third. Yeah, yes. and I'll grant you that the, this is not a new process, because this sort of thing has always happened. The difference was, um, it was either in the telling, verbally, mm-hmm. or those few who were writing and and getting stuff. Yeah. You know. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, but it's it's a much bigger and, and broader reach. So yes. that's one of the things that bothers yeah. me. About Film's it. a larger is, canvas. It depends on how many, how how wide the liberties are. Because the fact of whether Napoleon was present at Marie Antoinette's hitting, who the hell gives? Yeah, a nobody shit? cares about that. Yeah, yeah. But, but did Walt, did William Wallace sire Edward the Third? Okay. Yeah, that does matter a little bit. Yeah, well, it matters only in the sense of accuracy. Yeah. And you know, if you're none of these things that get gets history wrong has a real impact in everyday life. You know, there is there's absolutely nothing of consequence is going to come of that unless somebody's going to argue about it in a bar. Right. But you see, we we've come we've we've gone through this before with writing. Yeah. History is written by the victors. Yes, oh, absolutely. Uh, an aphorism we've kept very true. Exactly. And history is filmed by the victors. And it is. And censored by the victors. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, because if you'll notice that, and like I say, I haven't yeah. seen Napoleon, but you'll see many, and we're kind of going a little bit of a rabbit hole here. Mm-hmm. You will notice. Us? A yeah, rabbit hole? Yeah, imagine Never. That. So many movies that we know, especially those that deal with historical issues, mm-hmm. are very Anglo-American centric. Yes. Absolutely so. It is almost yeah. impossible Which to do means, otherwise. Yeah, taking on because, Napoleon's really hard to do. Yeah, that's right, because, because there, I mean, there's a reason that the French people are going... He's a joke to us. Well, so, yeah. yeah, and the French people are going, you kind of are... I don't want to say you're pissing in our in our Wheaties, but it's kind of close you're to pissing that. Pissing us off anyway. Well, yeah, and it's and because they they for well, them I mean, who he cares is about the cheese eating surrender monkeys. Well, that's yeah. an interesting point because yes, I had Hallmark Channel on the other night <laughs> watching a Christmas movie. Yeah, and it took place in either Sweden or Norway. Oh yes, ninety nine percent of those actors are all native actors, except for the one female lead. Mm. When I looked it up online, that's I thought a big I recognized thing now. Somebody. Um, Swiss and and Norse. Uh, setting 
Hallmark movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they must be getting some big it, tax breaks over well, there. Interesting, you say that because uh, my wife loves Netflix, and one of the things, she, and she watches. And I don't want to say dumbest things. I won't go that far, but Stranger Things. Because she, she might be listening. Well, yeah. The, the, some some of the things she watches, they're made in Norway, Sweden, and in yes. Scandinavia, yeah. yes. and they're dubbed. And some of them are very good. Oh, yes. And it's like we're all of a sudden realizing it ain't all about what comes out of the American studios or even the British studios. Mm-hmm. Yes, streaming. Australian, Swedish, oh, yeah. Norwegian, I mean, uh, I mean uh, Yoan Gruffin. German, Yoan, South Korean. Yoan Gruffin did an amazing, an amazing series called Harrow out of Australia. I mean, yes, well, he's the corner. Absolutely. Basically, it's the Quincy of this day and age. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, three seasons, and it was amazing. And it was. And it's set have in you Australia. Heard anything on the fourth? No, I haven't. Neither I've been watching I. it. Uh, Hulu picked it up, and it and we we it was must see. It was binge watch TV. It was very good. I mean, Yon Gruff is a great actor, no question about that. But it's just one of those things that we've widened our lens a little bit. In a way, that's well, great, but that's, in a way, it sucks because who can keep up with that? You can't. You can't watch everything that's out there these days no more. And you can read everything but that this, you want to. But this expansion has come basically because of the speed of the internet. That is, yeah. we yes. can get all of that to our homes. We can choose from all that, or that's we right. can seek our, it out. Our consumption and uh, appetite for consumption. The has pandemic helped that out too. Yes, Everybody yes, it did. Staying at home, streaming. Because all you had to do was stay home, and you were either having sex or watching TV, and you can only have so much sex. Or eating. Well, that, or eating uh, that falls under the other two, but that's the point. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's when we reach out looking. For I've not reached shows. my limit on that yet. Uh, yeah, of course you haven't. That's right. I mean we reached out to other countries for the shows because we were running out of stuff yeah. here that we wanted to see. That's right. And we discovered some of it is daggone good. Oh yeah. Which I'm trying to circle us back to Ridley Scott. Yeah. yeah so Ridley Scott. Yes. Uh, this man here has been. In many respects, he is one of the great movers and shakers of the film industry. He's a bit of a maverick. Mm-hmm. Because like you said about Napoleon people, he said basically get a life. I'm making art here. I'm making it's, – it's historically based. And I'm not going really off the reservation because if you – because I've done a lot of reading on it because it's an interest of mine. Well, yeah, I mean – He's every, not that far. I mean it's Everything not, it, about I mean, the it's, revolution it's, and Napoleon, it's hard to wrap your arms around it. Well, anyway. that's right. Exactly. And he's the so first one to ever, in my opinion – do justice to this enormous scope that is almost impossible to yeah. capture in a two or three hour movie. He did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I've been waiting my whole life for that, really. I mean, it's not uh, one that's been. And I will well. grant you this as far as some of the uh, historical uh, uh, liberties. Liberties. That's a, a so fair word, way to put it. Yeah. It's the word that's been used. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and sometimes even bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, part of that is due to the, the medium. You have two hours, although Marvel's have helped push yeah. that out to three hours. Yeah, and, and Napoleon is like 243. Yeah. Um, that's still a really short amount of time to get a lot of stuff in. Mm-hmm. William Wallace and all the historical inaccuracies, a lot of that. I don't know if it was in the original book, but a lot of those are going to be due to the compressed nature of the story. It has to, mm-hmm. You have to do that to get it into what? a... Yes. And it was long. It was, it was two and a half hours, yeah. which was hard to do in 95, but, yeah. you know, but, he, mm-hmm. but they, they, they made it happen. Mel Gibson was a big enough star at the time that he could... Yeah. I think he even bankrolled some of that yeah. to make that happen. Uh, and, what was that fellow's name that wrote all that? Randall... Randall Wallace. Yeah, Randall Wallace. Oh, he yeah, was yeah. a World War II... I mean, a Civil War general. Yeah. <laughs> he was. He was... The, the the screenwriter for Gladiator. No, no, no. Oh, oh. Um, excuse me. No, uh, no. For, no, for, for Braveheart. Braveheart. Yeah. 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 Lou Wallace. Lou Wallace. Was the right. Civil War general who wrote Ben-Hur. Correct. I thought he I thought he wrote... Nope. Um, Randall Wallace is a, Randall Wallace. a screenwriter who was distantly related. Yes. And he discovered, why don't we know about this guy? Yeah. And so he 
I mean, he deliberately conflated to make Wallace yes. seem more heroic, and, and got and, and got everything. Mel Gibson to sign on, who yeah. at the time was extremely it, it was, bankable. It was yeah. a puff piece from the beginning. It is, and, but it won Best Picture. Yeah. I mean, it it, it 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 swept the Academy Awards. It was a well done movie. Yeah. I mean, it so, was it was really it's it's still one that we talk. It about. It was good entertainment. Yeah, yeah. it was. It's it intended to be that way. It was fun. Uh, but that's but, but that's not Rid- Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. <laughs> Uh, we here we go. I don't know how far we are into this. We've barely talked about the man. Uh, the man, like I said, he's 86 years old as of he wrote. Napoleon is his greatest, is yeah. his most recent. But, but tell us about some of the early stuff. I mean, the guy has an amazing. With. I mean, he's British, as you know. He's actually a mm-hmm. sir. In 2003, he was knighted by Elizabeth uh, Royal College of Art. He just he had the ability to direct from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did commercials in the 60s. He worked a little bit on some of the BBC TV. And uh, he actually... That would be a really good grounding. But did right. he ever do a Doctor Who episode? He tried. He was going to. That Seriously. would be the pentamen for any British director. Come he was on. going. To, he was going to do one, but something happened, and it ended up where he wasn't able to, and they had somebody else do it. But he was involved with that at a time and back in the city because he was going to do one it was under the under the second Doctor's tenure under Patrick Troughton. He was going to do one. This is in the late sixties, and uh, and it, it didn't it didn't exactly happen. Uh, but nevertheless, he he he, he builds a, a reputation of. An amazing vision. What the stuff that he does? Some of the commercials he's done, we still talk about. Uh, if it's been uh, British, we don't know about them as a general. Well, Marcus. now one of the things that I've I, I've heard Michael Caine talk about this. Yeah. Oh, we love Michael Caine. Ridley Scott directed a Maxwell House coffee commercial. Uh-huh. Yes. Sixties, and he was so taken by the young lady in that. And he went out of the way, out of his way to be. That's his wife. Chased oh, yeah. her down and married her. That's yes. right. Yeah, she she was in the man who would be king with him. Yes. That's right. Yeah, it's it's an amazing. He's still he's been married to her like forever. Forever. Yes. Yeah, it's an amazing and lady. And Ridley Scott's been casting his wife apparently in most of his movies since uh, since 15. Gladiator. Yeah, uh, his his current wife. He's his been married wife. to her since since fifteen. 15, so yeah. you know, about you know, coming up on uh, uh, ten years. But you're right, yeah. and that's not uncommon, of course. No, no. But uh, we have to understand Scott's reputation. I mean, in his uh, he really he he built himself up very well, and mm-hmm. he got he made us like we've we've talked about in the show prep. Like Spielberg, you do a smaller picture. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody gives you know takes a chance on you because you know, you're talking about a budget. Yeah, and he made an amazing movie, and I don't know if you guys have seen it. I have. I love it. It's the Duelists in 1977. Mm-hmm. With this uh, is a. The name's kind of misleading. It's got nothing to do with like a actual duel. No, absolutely. Well, actually, it does. It does? Absolutely, yes. it does. That's I'm how it started some, out. In I'm thinking of something years. else. Then I'm thinking of something no, else. No, no. It's 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 based. It's Keith Carradine and Harvey Keitel. Keitel. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And okay. I don't. And it's based on. And you should know this, Martin. I'm really stunned that you don't because it's based on a Robert a Joseph Conrad story. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, and here's an irony for you because Harvey Keitel loses the role in Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. Which is Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, yeah, and takes on the role in uh, the Duelists with Ridley Scott, based on Joseph Conrad's novel The Duel, mm-hmm. and essentially it's it's two Napoleon. Go back to Napoleon. Here's short a, here's story, a, actually. Short story goes yeah. back to two Napoleonic French officers that have this uh, argument early in the novel, and they. 
and and it goes back to the dueling culture of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They they will duel each other as whenever they encounter each other constantly, and it's Harvey Keitel is really the one that's pushing this, mm-hmm. uh, his character, and I mean, it basically it's that that code of honor to use our one of our terms mm-hmm. that requires this, and it's set with the backdrop of the scope of the entire Napoleonic See, Wars. That does not make sense as far as a as far as what I understand of duels and, and how a code of honor would work with that because the whole point of a duel is to settle an issue. That's right. And that's, so if they are continually dueling, either they are continually insulting each other, or they just hate each other. That's it. That, that's so there is no code other. of honor well, there. Well, that's that's the backdrop. That's the excuse for the. Reason. Doesn't matter. They the, cannot the let go. That's right. And, and, and really, and if you see the movie, it's Harvey Cottell's character who won't let go. He's the one that has been, in his mind, been insulted, and he is so trapped. It's a good character study of someone who is so enculturated in something and so obstinate that they simply cannot let go. And and Keith Carradine's character is constantly, you know, this guy, he shows up, and next thing you know, he's got to, and it's usually swords. You know, we're not talking pistols, uh, if I recall correctly, sometimes, but for whatever reason, they keep this, this keeps happening. And it's on the backdrop of the entire Napoleonic Wars from the French perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're in Moscow, and they run into each other, and they're char- they're charging each other with uh, with swords and stuff like this in the middle of all the other people, and everybody's around them going, what the hell's going on? It's an amazing character moment of those obstinacies that in human nature and uh, and I won't give away the ending you know but both of them survive but there's a there's a reason that it has to end uh, and uh, it, there's a tragic there's there's a tragic you know Shakespearean uh, type of thing where the one character's flaws are what leads to his downfall and it it made such an impression on Hollywood. It was not it was not hugely received, but this is an amazing movie and I encourage you if you haven't seen it because it's not it's out there, but it's not well known because yeah. his 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 you know career overshadows everything. Everything else that came after overshadows this, but damn it's good. It is so good of a, uh, especially considering that you know he's just released Napoleon. It's well worth watching again. And that takes place like you said, the Napoleon that, Wars. That's right. It's, and it's something that Scott has all Scott has always loved those historical epics. And What's the next time period you're looking at leading up to in the 80s is one of my favorites. Yeah. Blade Runner. Absolutely. And it was panned at the box office. It was not a big box I mean, office we, we remember when it came out. It was... Look at what it is now. It's a cult classic. Right. It, it, it definitely got the Star Trek treatment in the sense that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it the fans made it into the big success after yeah. its initial exposure. And it's been re-released three times with different cuts. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and... Uh, which, which is the would final be, cut? Which the George last Lucas one. effect. Well, that, well <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he came. He didn't have anything to do with this middle cut that was released. That's right, the director's yes. cut, which yeah. wasn't really a director's yeah. cut. He came back on the final cut that came out here, and uh, he put his two cents into it, for lack of a better word, and so forth, and made a better story out of it. It's and, kind of amazing if you know the movie in the end. He did away with all the voiceovers, which mm-hmm. was a studio thing that they added. Voiceovers were big in the eighties. They were, yeah. and it was. Uh, uh, sometimes it makes it a little clearer, a little quicker. But when you see the version, the final cut version, mm-hmm. you, you we've we've grown enough; we can understand that. And it ends very ambiguously. 
yes. very ambiguously. They're 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 going to leave, and then boom, it goes to black, and it's you don't yeah. know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in the first original Murray, it's like well, you know we've got this and, wonderful happy ending, which yeah. which but Scott it, did not want. It does pick up on that with the start of the second Blade Runner. 2049. Which, correct, which, uh, which I don't believe he was involved. No, no he was he not, other than having started the property, right, basically. Exactly. But it, it's an interesting concept, you've got to think, to Android's dream of electronic sleep. I yes. mean, it, oh, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's, he it's brought basically. about a question here in the 80s that we're starting to face today. Well, I'm yes. glad you brought that up. Because As AI comes more about more prominently. That's and right. We have no idea where it's exactly going. Yes, we have and since fears you... fears and hopes... Yeah. On both what directions? Since you mentioned it, uh, we got to give a uh, shout out to Philip K. Dick for that's correct oh, yeah. for that's the right. bu- for the book for the, the source material, right. right? Yeah, because um, he asked those questions that were intentional to do that. Uh, I'm, I want to go back in a moment yes. to his big break, which was the first Alien, which mm-hmm. was the movie yes. that they proved that holy crap, this guy can handle a yeah. big budget and not just do that, but really change culture. But but first, we're going to turn it over to Robert. So it's a bourbon break. This episode and next episode, uh, we're going to be doing something a little different. So we, we've done a tasting flight at Cajuns when we were out there. Back in the bourbon mm-hmm. festival. Back at Bourbon Fest, yes. So I am doing a tasting flight here. Now, I, I've gone a little, probably a little bit overboard, but uh, you know we're going to have a – we had a big breakfast. We're going to have a big lunch, so everybody should be fine to drive mm-hmm. by the time we're done here. Yeah. So well, I've got – I might need a ride to lunch. You might need – yeah. Well, we used, <laughs> so, to, we used to carpool yeah. anyway. Yeah. So I've got five different bourbons we're going to try. We're going to do two this episode, and we're going to do three during the Code of Honor. So this is number one. So let's just pass these around, gentlemen. Okay. All right. Uh, there's Here's four. Francis for number one. Cajun. Where did you get all these cool little glasses? Uh, got them off Amazon. Really? Because yep. I've never seen these before. This Everybody needs 50 shot glasses. 30. 30 shot 30. I only got 30, yeah. All right. Well, fantastic. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. All right. So uh, this is one that I guarantee nobody here has tried. Okay. I have not tried this. These are all brand new unopened bottles. All right, so we are taking a little waft, blow the ethanol away, have a little thing here. I expect it to have a sharp bite. To be okay, let's we'll give it the evaluation. Very unusual scent. Whoa, that was not expected. Yeah, I think this is one that probably requires a little bit of uh, ice, uh, a little water to help it. Yeah, it's, it's potent. Oaky. That's the first word that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. Slightly musky, must. Actually, musky it doesn't smell. have as much of a bite. No, no it doesn't. I mean, that well, first sip of aired every... out some. Of course, we don't have right. One. And you know, that first sip of any bourbon neat is always the worst. I was gonna say, yeah, and because because we're all this is all neat. Uh, it definitely sticks around the mouth and the tongue. Oh, Martin over here is is choking. I hope not. Uh, is this a you just drink too much at one time or? No, it's it's the. Uh, Ethers are yeah popping. yeah. It, um, it had to um, taste it with a little soft drink there. Yeah, it's it's, it's not as quite as sharp as I thought. Th- that that uh, I don't want to call it medicinal, but that it does have a bit of a medicinal yeah. almost yeah. to it. It's kind of it's not real complex for sure. No, no it's, it's not, not a whole lot of blend of different flavors. Caramel there. comes in after the fact. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's got a sweetness afterwards. Stays in the mouth, top of the mouth, actually the roof of the mouth, uh, around the teeth. 
It's got uh, like a little cherry on the back finish yeah, on it. Absolutely. That's the, the back I finish. I can see that. It's a tart fruit anyway, whether it's cherry or black cherry, yeah. something along that lines. Yeah. But maybe yeah. that's what it, maybe that's the caramel I'm tasting. And, and not, well, it's no, got a very not even close to caramel. Now, well, but it does have an almost creamy texture when you have, you yeah. know, it, it's not which is odd. Kind of a buttery toffee, a toffee maybe. Yeah. yeah. A little uh, yeah. I still maintain the It's very oak, small. The oak. Does, yeah, there's definitely comes, some oaky that comes does through it have strong. A higher Francis is getting his wood on. I don't know. I I, I don't have the mash bill on this. Whatever yeah. it takes. But we'll find out in a minute. We'll look it up. Once you yeah, I'll have to look it, it up. Yeah, because I don't even think it was on the bottom. So that's it's it's very good. It's a little different, and like it's say, different well, to me. That's not an enjoyable sipping whiskey no, no, by itself. No. no, I didn't. Maybe with some ice on it. So. so I've talked about this bourbon. Okay, this is the butcher's cut bourbon from the Detroit Distilling Company. Okay. Now, oh, and you were making fun stuff. of my corsets and whips out of uh, Michigan the other day that I found online. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, you yeah. said a bunch of degenerates yeah. up there. Yes, they, yes, we are a bunch of degenerates up there. Say, he well, can, that he can probably insult himself. That musty sm- smell that I'm getting. Hmm. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah, all, so, did all the water come out of Lake Erie? To make- uh, so, oh, I thought he was referring to the degener- degenerates. <laughs> now, so this bourbon, uh, it's got a great story. Uh, and how and where it was uh, uh, Cajun Jew. Um, but I think one of the reasons why this is not um, a, a slow serping or slipping bourbon, not serping, uh, sl- slow sipping. Too much. Yeah. Sipping bourbon. That's what it's good for. Uh, yeah. It's probably, I think it would be a decent uh, mixing bourbon. Uh, probably good, you know, you want to put this in your bourbon balls. Go for it, but it's a little pricey for that. Oh, have really? you tried it with ice to open it up since you opened? I have not yet. I, that's probably I what I should have done with. Yeah, whereas when he handed to me, put it over ice a little it bit. As, as a as a cooking whiskey. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm anxious to see what it happens with the with having a little bit of ice and having it opened up. That may be good in candy recipes because yeah. it's not real prominent in a lot of its flavors. Itself. Right, it's not a high rice, so there's not a that peppery flavory. Yeah, that, right, yeah, um, definitely that. So, I think the issue with this bourbon, my primary issue, I didn't realize this until after I got the bottle. My brother sent it to me. It's only a two-year bourbon. This is the bare minimum that you would age a bourbon. That's not bad for only two years. No, it is, yes. I expected it to be much harsher. I was going to say, that's a different context. But now that I'm really yeah. starting to feel it around that chest area. Yes, yes, it's getting in now. here. It's starting to really kick up after a few minutes. Yes, yeah. yeah. It does. So, you know, it's not an unpleasant bourbon at all. Uh, no, I wouldn't no. tell no, it's, it as awful it's, it's at all. It's very mild. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not unforgettable. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. It's a middle-of-the-line Nice little. Yeah. This was about a forty-five dollar bottle of bourbon, which I think is too high for for a two-year bourbon for that flavor profile. I wouldn't go forty-five bucks. No, no. Uh, no. but it, again, it's not a bad bourbon, and I think uh, the next time I try it, I'm definitely going to have it. Give with us the name again. Some ice. This is Butcher's Cut. Butcher's Cut from Detroit from the Detroit Distilling Company. Okay. This is the one I've mentioned to you guys before, where the uh, the guy who uh, started it, his grandfather, I think worked in the building as a butcher where he that has been turned a, into a distillery. I'm sure there's yeah. a story, yeah. 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 the name. And, um, you know, it, the story sounded great, and the profile on uh, on the on the show, on the podcast I listened to, sounded great. And again, it's not bad. No, uh, but at the end, I think it's one of those ones that, I mean, for me, most bourbons have to have a little bit of... It's specific. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's particular. I, I mean, dissenting opinion, I, I would I would pass on that, dude. 
Well, but you also didn't have it with with any any water in it to open it up to see how that changes. Yeah, it either. yeah. So, but, but I, I still I just, it had kind of like a uh, like a like, you, said, like it, you were licking it off of a uh, stainless steel table. Now, Wobbit, I have so, a complaint. So, so you're getting a mechanic. What's that? You notice your book starts with number four, not number one. Ah, that's the page number. <laughs> it might. It might be lead. Because I saw that, too, and I think they're counting. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you just about set my ADHD way off the charts. Yeah, because there are four, there, there's like three or however many pages of the index, and then the first page of yeah. notes is number four. Makes sense. Yep. Okay. Because that caught me, too, because that, that bothered me it's at like, first, and then it's like, no, oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't have numbered the index and just started page one as the the first uh, bourbon right. notes. Everything's negotiable. Yes. Yeah, so Cajun is making notes in in the in yeah. the notebook here, so that's that's good. Um, yeah, okay. To be, so to be fair, it's it's not one that having having sniffed it that I would that I would have bought. And, and that's certainly fair. I mean, there's a lot that that you know. Uh, oh yeah. No, no. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, not I mean, that it, it's not that it's bad because it's it smells good it's completely different um uh profile than most bourbons uh i don't know about that but i mean um i I think the lack of aging is its biggest detriment uh because the aging is where you get the complexity it is and but but i suspect that's they're going for that they don't mind that that's it's a different if it could very well be spot you know it's it could be different how many markets? I mean, how many two-year bourbons do you think? Are, I don't think not not any. That's why I'm suggesting. Yeah, that I mean, that's, that's why I think it's just very odd because uh, I, I expected a minimum of like four to six. You know, uh, they're they're pushing back against that. Longer is better, and that could very well be well, now. And that depends could, on who you can get on past that. Who you talk to on that? Yeah, that's true. Um, and it also may be that they're trying to make their money before the bourbon. And that could be as well. They're working for thicker versus longer. That could very well. Cajun, come on, damn it. Stop writing and start jumping in on all these things I'm laying up for you here. And, you know, if they're doing stuff in the rickhouse to help help the aging process along as well. So we've talked about that. Some places, they will shake their bourbon. Some places will rotate. Some places will play a lot of loud music. Mm -hmm. Some people put it on the water. And some people put it on the water. Climate control, size of the rickhouse. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know any of the stuff that they're doing in that sense. I mean, it goes back to that one word we love, craft. Yes. Well, and depending on how old or how long have they been making. This is brand new. Yeah. So somebody else is making it a location probably different from where they're sitting. Yeah, just I don't know. I got the impression maybe. that they are making and aging in their own. Are they? Yeah, yeah. In Detroit, as you said. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It just, it well, just if they're brand new and this is two years old, it had, this probably started elsewhere as they were setting up. Possibly. That would be my guess. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I don't know enough, yeah. and I don't remember. I'd have to go back and find that episode of, po- mm-hmm. of the podcast, which I think was the Bourbon Podcast. Um, was where I first heard well, of this. Yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. Certainly, yeah, it was. No, it, it, I, I, it's, it's a hard pass for me. On a scale it, of one to five, I put it about two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. two and yeah. a half at best. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, it just didn't have any of the flavors I like. It just didn't have. To me, it didn't have any didn't fruit. Have much Our master taster has spoken. Any right? It's, it's kind of bland. It's a little bland. Yeah, a little um, bland and a little again flat. Like flat. Um, and, yeah, and again, I want to. Good word. Yeah, I want to taste steel. it with when it's been opened up. That's yeah. I'm really curious about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have to. Uh, well, let's do number two, man. 
Oh, we were we were. Well, gonna we're going to wait. Oh, that's right. We were going to. Right. Do, yeah. New, yeah. new subject. Totally yeah. new subject. Okay. Except it's not. All right. Yeah. Back to the captain. We're, we're, yes. Yeah. Back to the captain. Yeah. We're, we're going to we're talk about which I know Martin is over here yeah. jonesing to talk about Ridley Scott's first big movie that changed right, so many right. things. Yeah, that was right. Alien. You, you move from the Duelist to this incredible science fiction slash horror film. Right. And that was really the genius of it is taking this notion of a science fiction film but injecting the the monster movie piece of it mm-hmm. uh as a horror film right uh, is, is, is it, it's still i mean i remember when the commercials coming on when i was what 11 years old 12 years old yeah. and scared the absolute bejeebus out of me oh, yeah. I remember and it that. didn't show anything it didn't I show remember anything that. yeah you remember yeah. that we, we probably you, like, you, you would have been older than that this is 79 so yes well i mean because you're talking 13, about yeah 14 yeah 13 14 yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just it's i saw it in the movie theater with my cousin Wow. Scared the absolutely oh, yeah. shit out of him. Previews did rattle him some. We'll say rattle at that age. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a thing that, you know, um, I mean. Right. I mean, you had monster films and you had science fiction and sometimes they merged, but this was a very unique merger. Well, yeah, because science fiction yeah. wasn't meant to be, and some of this is the, the Star Trek right. leftovers Star of, Trek of optimistic well, future. Well, actually, he, you, he would credit the the. Uh, Star Wars. That's correct. That's not right. Star Trek. Yeah. He, Star Wars. It, 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 that was the recent thing he's realizing. Yeah, that, that, yeah. yeah. Let's do this different. Science fiction was this was uplifting. Br- it was broader than we thing. You know, the future, and it's like, no, there could be some stuff out in space you don't want to find out about. And well, that's, and that's, that's the thing the about science fiction when you think about it. Science fiction, other than you know, uh, like a Honor Harrington series, that's the Napoleonic Wars in space. Yeah, there's there's one book that deals with an alien species, and you get almost no mention of that the entire rest of the series. It's very minor. Battlestar Galactica had the same thing. You never so, run into aliens. You just don't. well, except in the, well, in the original, you kind of sort of no, you had the spider creatures on the one the, the insectoids. Yeah, the, the insectoid yeah, yeah. But when you think about it, science fiction, is got real space exploration running into other life forms. That would have to be the most horrific kind of situation you can right. do that's what he does really well with this yes. mm-hmm. yeah. and he takes that you know that monster trope of that you know of, of the monster jumping out to say boo and using the effects and his storytelling te- techniques actually makes that scary when it, it was never scary before oh yeah mm-hmm. and because then- monster movies all the scary movies that came, almost none of those are scary like the first zombie movie from Romero that's not scary well, as an adult, you're right. Uh, well, I mean, even in the, the beginning, because they're slow moving and they're they're not really like the zombies that we we see that we're used to today, you know. So, I mean, even that, it just it's. I have a hard time seeing how people would have been scared at that. The, uh, well, those, now what year were those Romano's movies out? Uh, the first one was like sixty-eight. Yeah, there was some fear there was a them back there. there even a, like the day the earth stood still and stuff. I mean, when that some came of that, that you got people. the hammer. Movie. That's anxiety, I think. But you you have some of the the traditional uh, monster movies with that yeah, Hammer redid in the fifties, right? That yeah. added in the blood and the adult mm-hmm. and the stuff like that. That's, that's shock. That's right. It's it's yeah. a. It's See, a, I think there's there's all, all of these elements though. That's right. There's the anxiety that you were talking about, Cajun. There's very much you know uh, the any movie that dealt with like nuclear war that was H.G. Wells. You know, all, yes, right, right, right. The Exorcist. Now H.G. Wells. The Atomic Age. Them. And, and movies like that, that those initial Atomic Age fifties monsters mm. movies are playing on a specific 
fear. Cultural fear. mindset. Cultural mindset. Yeah, no. Right. Yeah. yeah. And every once in a while you'll get a zeitgeist zi- of the time. Dang it, you said the same word. The exact you will fear boner. You'll hit that zeitgeist very clearly. For example, the exorcist is one that yeah. absolutely Yes, now that would that, that would was, scare people. Yes. T- it scared the absolute willies out of people. And then two years ago. I just already watched that a while back. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then you've got the next, very next year in 75, you've got Jaws. Jaws. And also yeah. proved that horror is not this uh, bi- uh, drive in sl- Right. That you, you can actually make this mass market and really make mm-hmm. some money. Yeah. And I think that's what Alien, that's one of the reasons that they were able to. Pony up it, the it's money. It's Jaws in space. Absolutely. That's well, right. it is, but agree. it's it's way scarier than Jaws. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's by, the thing. By far. But, Jaws is know. more visceral. It's more you shall well, be eaten. You know you're supposed to be scared of sharks. That's right. Right? <laughs> this is, I mean, I mean, think a, about it. That's right. But you didn't know what you were dealing with. That's exactly alien. right. And that right. is, the, that is the, the absolute what Scott nailed so well. And some of this is just the way he directs it. And I think yeah. we it all is. agree. But yeah, there's, there's three different versions of... The alien monster, yeah, and you're scared of every single one of them in That's different right. ways. Yeah, because yeah. and he uses that suddenness, that you know, that unexpected move that scares not just you. I mean, it obviously startles the the, the character, so there's good acting, right? But I mean, well, when the egg jumps, that. opens up, and the thing. Grabs onto his face. On that's face. scary. Yeah. And then, of course, you know when it jumps, you know, it crawls yeah, out of what? his chest. That yeah, scared the hell the out of everybody. That's the one I had a point too. That the other actors was not expecting that at the time, and when blood went everywhere, that was a surprise to them too. He oh, did perfect! A trick oh, yeah. on them that laying was, that, that was out. only John Hurt knew that was coming. Yeah, yeah. And he had to. Yeah, yeah. Because he had to. Yeah, and he that had was to, Scott's. Nobody brilliance. else did. That's right. And and you've got really great character actors. I mean, Veronica Cartwright. I thought she was on. Pass out. Well, that's right, and, and you and you got at the time these were not big name actors. Was it cow's blood or something? Yeah, for absolutely. That you got Yappet Cotto and Sigourney Weaver and Tom Skerritt, who had, who had, were experienced. Yeah, but they were and John Hurt and Ian Holm, all these folks that you know we now know as because they've done so much since then were still relatively they, young. Yeah, they were career. not the superstars. Yeah. No, they were they were yeah. still relatively young in the career. And you, and this movie made them, you know their reputations very well because Scott knew what the hell he was doing mm-hmm. and scared the he hell could, out yeah of he a combined generation. all of those elements I mean think about it, this is only his second movie that's right yeah and that's I think what makes alien I, I, one of my favorites of his maybe my very favorite oh yeah and because he, of this because he combined elements in such a masterful way that nobody had managed to combine and, before and he subverts so many tropes yes I so want I want to hit that that's because right because that's a big one the captain Dallas is killed like early yes, yes. and, and the, the, the Suppose the one you expect to be the hero. That's right, the captain. Yeah, done. That's right. He's toast. And yet he and yet he never stops being the captain and the hero. He just dies. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's yeah. And it's, it's, good, it's, it's it's he didn't. It's not a fault. No, no, no. It's just they still didn't know what they were dealing with, and Dallas is out. Right, and this is not a military ship. This is a cargo ship. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. And which is again, so many things change, but the big thing. For Scott, because this is a theme he'll return to, and I'm going to use this as a yes. bridge to go Corporate forward. Corporate greed? No. Oh, no. I mean, well, there's that, too. That's a big too. theme in this, in this whole Especially franchise. the second one, yeah. That, that is a yeah, theme yeah. that he likes to return to, but his big theme that he is one of the great pioneers of is strong female characters. Yeah, and I mean yeah, that yeah. in a non-cliched way. Right. It's become cliched well, now, but in many respects, yeah. in 19... His female characters can kick ass. Simple right. as that. And, and right. that was They're something... still and, very real, though. But, too. yes, yeah. they can kick ass. But not well, in a way that makes you think that it's contrived or that's, that's right. right. Mary Sue. G.I. Jane, another one of his movies that yeah. 
prominent with Demi Moore. That's right, well, and it was very controversial at the time. I mean, Apparently, one Marcus. of the things you have to understand is, look at his background. His background before all these films was, as he put it, thousands of commercials. That's right, yeah. That's what he did. And he, he was used to hitting on strong points on individuals. He was trained in that. Yeah. Because yeah. that, that's how you sell. And he and influencing the people, the audience, the females in particular, because in many women, respects, women, because that was they the sell. majority of they his, buy. Yeah, that was the majority of his. That's who he started to get the message to. Yeah, yeah, and and he he transitioned that into his films. Right, and part you know one of the other things he did was the cinematic experience of his films. Oh yeah, is is enthralling. Alien in particular yeah. is claustrophobic. It is. For a film set in outer space. Yeah. The, the the biggest open empty space in mm-hmm. you know in our in our understanding. But the cinematography is yeah. just and I'm engrossing. glad you mentioned that because that's Scott. Yeah. Yes. That's Scott. That's but one you know of what? That's things. understanding the reality of what he's of a set of a mm-hmm. setting. I mean, because oh, yes, yeah. outer space is the most open expanse you will uh, no pun intended there that you will come across, but you have to put all these people in these tiny little boxes that are yep. incredibly finite. You know, all the things we love about star Wars and Battlestar Galactica are mm-hmm. totally unrealistic. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you do the, you know, the, all of those, those battles are like uh, world war two aerial battles. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not how space battle would work. As a matter of no. fact, David Weber does a fantastic job of making, uh, making you realize what space battle would really be like. And mm-hmm. time, curvature, flight, yes. movement. Yes, now he gets a little yeah. too much into the into the mathematics of that uh, after a, a few books. But you know, if you can get past that, it's it's okay because a lot of it becomes meaningless. Yeah, and then you start jumping over some small sections. Like exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, you take your presumption and you run with it. Right. Yeah. yeah you know. I mean, you, you explain the basics the first time, but you don't have to keep doing it and then getting into the details every time. Um, but the point is, though, his books, though, even though there's a lot of, I mean, the whole point is the space battle, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's not, well, you kind of sort of do get some aspect of that fighter pilot stuff later, but yeah, it's, a few. but it's, it's with the, when, when they do the, um, uh, shoot, I forget the class of the, the, the starship now, but, uh, they're, they're like fighter pilots. They're, uh, Oh, uh, light attack crafts, the, mm. with, the uh, the lax. Mm. Um, but even so they still follow the same rules mm-hmm. and everybody's in these tiny little tubes. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he captured because before that you're right. Space was seen as yeah. big and expanse. Yeah. And, yeah. and, but it's, there, there are no cramped spaces on the enterprise. Right. But yeah. on the, on, in, on the Nostromo, Nostromo that's Nostromo. all you have. Yeah. That's all I mean, you so have. much of the film is these tubes and little rooms. Mm-hmm. And, right. Stuff. Which it's, is it's really but something else. But spaceships would be like a submarine. Exactly. Yeah. That that's at the that's beginning. The reality yes. of it. Yeah. Spaceships yeah. are going to be like that because yeah. you can, you, you know, you can't control these huge environments and these huge pressures over yeah. large expanses. I, you can you can make the accurate not with the starting well, technology. Not yeah. with you got to remember at what point this, you're this is, at yeah. in that time. Oh yeah, this is practical. One hundred percent practical practical effects. Oh yeah, and which goes it's back super to cool. I think if you want to if you want to boil Scott down so yeah. much is that the TV show that was just on Sci-Fi that ran about five or six seasons that just finished up. Very the ex- realistic. The Expanse. The Expanse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They, they did a very technical 
aspect of the current time almost. And yet never lost the human element, which is one thing Scott did very well. And I think yeah. that's, that kind of sums up the way he does things is he recognizes the sto- all stories are, that are worth listening to are human stories, but he's not afraid to paint on a large living mm-hmm. canvas yes. Well, yes. Yep. in all of his films. And he, he he's very good when I think about the movies. Cause, you know, I, I'll grant you, I've not spent a lot of time thinking about this part of this episode because you know me, I don't mm-hmm. do a whole lot of... Pro- I shot my wad in planning for... Uh, right, there the lights, yeah. right there with you, Doug. Um, but one of the things that you realize when you think about his movies is that the characters are more realistic in that every one of those guys on the Nostromo, you can see, oh, yeah, I know a person like that or I've seen a person yeah. like that. Uh-huh. Whereas when you look at mm-hmm. Star Trek or Star Wars or a lot of the other science fiction, really... The characters, and this is not the actors' faults. Right. The characters on the bridge of every Enterprise, of every starship, they're all kind of generic. They're tropes. Well, it's not even so much that they're tropes, well, they, you know, because they're... they're not that differentiated in many ways. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. There's there's yeah. some truth to that. You know, and I just don't yeah. mean that they're all a bunch of white guys. Because Star Trek, that's not true. Absolutely, yeah. Because you know, in the original Enterprise, that was the most diverse cast ever. Yeah. For major characters in, yeah. in an ensemble show. But really, they really weren't all that different from one another in many ways. Right. I mean, there were some. Oh, yeah, we're really talking the, about a military organization pumping these people yeah. out to fit profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah you have to, some of that. You have setting. to have the same sort of personality to what to apply. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to go through all the same training. But you're right. I mean, the first oddball really in any Star Trek is Ensign Rowe. In many ways. I mean, yeah. there are unique characters. Obviously, you know, Spock and, and McCoy and... And Kirk, they are the three most unique characters. And the most developed. Yeah. And the most developed. Yeah. But even so, when you compare them to the rest of the cast, Sulu, uh, Uhura, Chekhov, they have quirks that define them, perhaps, mm-hmm. but they don't feel as the, real yeah. as the characters yeah. in Ridley Scott's That's movies. right. And they weren't, They're not as slotted. They weren't written that way. And alien. And that's, and that's a and trick. part of that's the... You know, the time period being done and all. I get well, that. Well, but he had a very realistic... This is a commercial enterprise, not an exploration. We're not boldly going. We're, sure. It's a commercial... So, it's very much... When you when you talk about uh, the Yafikoto character and the uh, um, Harry Dean Stanton character, I think it is, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, well, they're talking about their contracts. They ain't getting paid till they get back, and the right, company right. ain't going to put them in luxury while they're out there. I right, mean, right. no payoff. I mean, it's, it was very much this very back. real aspect it was, of this. It was of, down to the down to the yeah, earth. Down to uh, earth. You, you, share, not, you share a meal, you know, that sort of thing. And yeah. then you subvert that. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it, so, but think about the others. So, you know, look at, uh, you know, Gladiator. All yeah. Right? You know, there are a lot of real characters with actual depth. And again, I know you're talking about television versus movies. You're talking about different mm-hmm. time yeah. periods. Well, but he manages to do this from the beginning is yeah, my point. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He does it from the beginning of his he career. He understands there are different motivations. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's motivated That's by some good. grand vision of something. Right. Yeah. The and, Roman and, Empire well, or I mean, whatever. Just, I mean, the very first scene in Gladiator, you've got... You know, you've got Maximus and you've got Quintus, and they are both immediately defined just by their conversation. Yes. That, and that and yes. that literally lays the characters for that care through the entire movie consistently. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's just... And, that, and I don't want to give all the credit to the writing. Yeah, Maximus's motivation is going home, and that's, then right. that's robbed it, it, from him. That's great. And it's and, well, it's, and Quintus is about ambition. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because you, you talk about that, that short conversation. 
you know, the, the defining line for him is pretty much his first line. Yeah. A people should, should know, know when they're, they're conquered. conquered. That's right. It, it is the arrogance of Rome. That's right. And it was and so, then so... his response, would you, Quintus? Would I? Would I? That's right. That's the humanity. That's right. And that so lays out naturally and effectively that, and that's just, and again, the writer has a lot to do with that, but that's also Scott because he, yeah. he carries that forward. Oh, that's also the, the actors. Well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to boil it, it down. It all has to work like, together. That's right. If any one of those things falls down, you're screwed. But like we talked about earlier, ultimately the director is the one. Who mm-hmm. bears the responsibility for yeah. it all works? And yes, it all has to work together. Speaking of working together, though, it's time for the second bourbon break. That's correct. All right. We're going to do this again. To this. All right, so this is number two. All right, number so two. I'm number two. Francis. Pass one around to me. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm kind of landlocked here. Yes. I guess I'll take this one. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, pardon me. Yeah, so we don't have a system worked out for distributing the bourbon. That takes me back to the cartoon with the fellow going down the seats there. It was actually an animal, I think. Oh, it was Bugs Bunny. Excuse me. Sorry, sorry. Oh, no, you don't. Take that. Take that. That's uh, Elmer and uh, and Bugs Bunny, but... Hmm, a little smell. Sweeter. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. Definitely more bourbon-y than the last one. Bourbon-y, I like that word. That was a good time, yes. Yeah, sweeter. Okay. Mm. Um, well, it's got some bite to it. It's it does. Not, it's not awful. Ooh, it does. Yep. Definitely. It's got a similar um, sugar cookie. Um, Ooh, I don't get any with sugar. A little t- texture. I don't get any sugar. So like it, it doesn't. Goes I like up. the way it flows across the lips. So it's got it's a little viscous in that sense. It goes up the nose for me. I don't get I don't get a whole lot of that. Kind of a snickerdoodle cookie maybe. Okay, I get it the second the second taste. I would say like an apple snap. Think of a ginger snap except replace ginger with apple. Yeah. Possible. Yeah, there's definite fruit mm. undertones. All right, this one didn't go up the nose. This one stays in the mouth. Yes, yeah, so definitely you get a lot of this. In the, but again, I find that's true of uh, neat bourbons. Uh, not universally, but because uh, the bloom kind of keeps it in the mouth. In a sense, I'm sipping this one, and it's a very different experience than just to not a big hug one. on this one, apparently. Unless not it yet, yeah. I think it comes a little bit later, later, so it's slower. Um, roof of the mouth, tongue. So, watch does out. anybody Stop recognize this? Does anybody recognize this? I, I bow to the master taster over here, Martin. No, I don't recognize it, um, but I am getting a little bit more sweetness than the last one, mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit more to it. Not as flat, not as like stainless steel inside of a vat kind of flavor. So, is this a Woodford? Just put the knife in. No, not a Woodford. No. Um, There's a strange smell when it comes in, when taste when it first comes out. Not sure what it is. Well, again, remember this is neat. Yeah. Um, It. it, it, What's interesting I find is that when you first uh, bring it in your mouth, it's not that it, it tastes cool. It almost feels light. I, I don't heavy, know how to explain it. I got a heavy alcohol, but I think I should have blown off. Well, I think ethanol. yeah, you got to blow the ethanol. I didn't off. do it that last time. So uh, let me know when you're ready to know what it is. Uh, hey, I'm ready right now. I've so Martin is going to be very embarrassed because this is the Yellowstone he had during the last Here. episode. No kidding. Who yeah. wants this one? Uh, I'm uh, I'm good. 
So pass it along. <laughs> it's Yellowstone. It's good stuff. I mean, there's no wrong with it. No, no, it's, it's very good. Yeah, yeah. it's well, just, you know, it's a little different. It's not sweet ice and the other. Yeah, there's but no, I, I mean, I could definitely tell a difference. And this one was much more amenable. So. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not sweet. It, it didn't come off as oh, no, sweet I think, at all. I think yeah. you get a little. I got a little bit of sweet. No, I, I do get the yeah. sweet. Yeah. yeah. To say, and it's, it's just very sweet to me. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, um, I've got a very different as far as bourbon goes. I, and I think taste. it does have a little bit of of a, of a fruity taste. I, I I think I need to have it bloomed a little bit before I can really get all of that out of it. Oh, I because ninety percent of the time we're put drinking the stuff over ice. Right. It's yeah. and it's a lot more developed than the last one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and oh, it is right smoother. About that. It is smoother. Right it has about character. That. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, but well, I, it's also aged longer. How long I mean this is aged, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't, don't have the bottle, but I don't say this like a six, six seven year. Six seven yeah, yeah somewhere along in there. Yeah. Well, this is the white label, so yeah, it's probably closer to the five. This is usually my default. And this is the one that I like to gift. This is the one if you're gonna ask me, pour me a bourbon. This is uh I forgot to tell you. The first one was a hundred proof. Okay, and the only reason I started with that one is because I figured it was not going to be the best of the the five. Okay, just because of the lower age, it did surprise me. I thought it was better than I expected. Okay, uh, and maybe that was the thing. I expected a very low, so maybe that's yeah, why I. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I know you, Martin, didn't like it nearly as much. Uh, but this was a ninety-three proof. Okay. Yeah. So okay, it's it's a really good spot, and, I, and I'm kind of with Cajun. Uh, when you do that neat, um, that. It's almost like a little bit of sugar and a little bit of cookie. It's and very different, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm, just yeah. a tiny bit, maybe like a little brown sugar in the cookie kind of thing. That's just, so it's brown I think sugar. I right, said so definitely opens up more flavors on yeah. the yeah. yellow yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. That, yeah, but I, I thought that was that was a much much of an an improvement. Mm-hmm. So so sorry that you know Michigan. <laughs> hey, you know, first of all, it doesn't, it's, doesn't do it for me. Sorry, you, you know how I feel. The the Yes, you can legally call it bourbon, but you lose so much that makes bourbon bourbon by not doing it here. Yeah. You, you lose the the limestone filtered water. Um, you know, you, you lose the the better variation in the seasons. Uh, generally speaking, yeah. Um, well, you, you lose a little of the old school Kentucky character and some of the stuff too. Right. I mean, right. Part yeah. of the appeal is that. You know, the guy that's the master distiller has been tasting bourbon since he was three at his grandpa's knee. Exactly. That kind of thing. You, know I mean? well, you sort of have that with all the people that are diving into the craft bourbon world. You know, well, they're they're newbies to it. So there's quite often, yes. The other thing I think is you do have kind of a placebo effect of you know, if you're if you're <laughs> yeah. expecting yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to taste it differently. It's like yeah. what you were saying. You expected to be a very bottom end and what have you because you had seen the aging, you knew the yep. bottle, you had. So, yeah. and but he was it. yeah. So he was yeah he, yeah. he was probably expecting more midline. At the, he was he was a clean view on it. You so, you had a little bit of prejudice. Exactly. Yeah. And even though you know well, uh, confirmation it, bias. Confirmation on bias. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because once you hear it's Yellowstone, all of a sudden, oh wait a minute, I like Yellowstone. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the way I worked with it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. See, you know, it's in reality, it is very difficult to taste a bourbon blind mm-hmm. and really know where. I mean, there's very few I think that you can do that with. I think Angel's Envy is one of them. Yeah, because yeah. that's very unique that in how it hits wine you. Wine cask flavor, yeah. finishing mm-hmm. on it makes a very distinct difference on it. Yeah, yeah. so it, it is is 
gives you a, a much more unique uh, taste. I'll to say it. after the first one, the first sip, and I still had some left. I felt like I needed to wash it down with tea. Yeah, you jumped jer- quickly on that with the Yellowstone. I didn't. Okay, right, right. Yeah, so, right. So I mean, the the, the Yellowstone. I, oh, not bad. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. So, I mean, that was not a bad, neat bourbon at no, all. That's no, right. no, no, no. And, but I, I, but having had it before uh, on the rocks, mm-hmm. I know that it is better the other way. At yeah. least for me, a lot yeah. of people swear by neat. A lot of people yeah. swear only, but you know, it's a personal preference. It is, yeah. and I, and I've come to realize it is a bourbon specific thing. Most, in my opinion, again, it's a personal preference. Are better bloomed with a little bit of water. I think there's an intention. not all. I think there's an intention behind that yeah. that it go mm-hmm. there. Uh, well, especially but, the higher proof bourbons. Right. The expectation is that you would not always drink it yeah. because it's higher proof. But you know, yeah, this a one. Lot of, it, a lot it, of distillers will tell you put a little water in it, put an ice cube in it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of yeah. mm-hmm. All right, let's let's swing back. Pick it up, uh, real pick quick, it up, Francis. Yes, sir. Real quick, because uh, I just got word. Robertius. So. Uh, it told you that the uh, the boy had uh, applied to MIT, yes. and we were going to get word today. So he did not get a yes or no. He got a deferred, uh, a deferment of some kind. Yeah. Basically, he's uh, invited to apply back in the spring. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Now, this is a boy who got a 36 on his ACT. Yeah. And had got all the stuff, you know, on resume, school resume that you want. You know, he's involved in all kinds of activities and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gets great grades, and he's still got a deferred. Decision. Well, yeah. You so know. that tells you the standards at MIT are. Well, let's way say up there. I'm not I look sure. at it a little different. When I say, "Hey, we're interested," just not right this moment. Right, right, right. Perhaps, but then again, I think that is uh, the entire Ivy League area, and I know MIT is kind of not quite, but maybe sort of, maybe. Well, it, it, it's, it's not quite Ivy League, but it's yeah, it's that, the premier. That technical. is, I'm sorry, that whole industry. Hey, it's the Hollow Howard Wallowitz compared to Sheldon game. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps, but, it's, no, but MIT's. I think MIT's reputation it, is deserved. It, it, no yeah, question. Yes. But the entire system, to me, is nothing but nepotism and narcissism. And yeah, when I, you talk about and Harvard, general, yeah. just yeah. admissions in general, That's, college admissions, admissions is, in general. That's is, great. Feels it feels it, kind of broken. It, it's either who you know or who you blow, son. Very well put. That is exactly mm-hmm. it. And I, like I say. Um, uh, there's plenty of great schools. There's, there's out no in the world. telling what kind of things are creeping into these decision-making processes. Well, there is high. Congratulations to him for getting that. Yeah. Well, I yes, because that's in the still, running. I mean, that's still a good. Yeah, not he, a no. he's not told not to go no. back to Kentucky. He was given a good, honest. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. He, you know, it's not a, like you said, Cajun. It's not a no. It's a because they're going to take the absolute. You know, one percent of the top one percent of the one percent. But we're still first. interested you as soon as we get all the other stuff filled out, you know. Yeah, we're we still, still interested in you and you know, take take another shot because a lot of these people either aren't gonna make it or they're gonna go somewhere else. Well, it's like I always say, you don't have to be in the spotlight to get the best out of it because there's a lot of eyes on you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, very much so brother. But most likely but you know, if he doesn't get in and again you know, financial aid is a thing because we can't afford to send him there. It doesn't matter if he gets accepted. Uh, but you know, we're we're looking probably Bellarmine at this point, so which is fine. I'm and perfectly happy with that. Well, we can, I mean, we can all yeah. speak to the virtues of that. Yeah, Bellarmine Center, Transy, all these are wonderful places. Yes, that yeah. you don't have to go across the, the country. The other, to go to. the other thing you can do is you could take a year off or whatever and backpack explore. across Europe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can't see that happening. Yeah. No, no, not that adventurous. Knee, knee, uh, no. nose to I the think he's style. about as adventurous as Francis is. Thank you for Probably. that. I think, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's something. So he'll go far on one side of it, oh, yeah. but he will never follow in the great imperators. Well, you know, he, the, the boy has has talked about he, you know, wanting to go out of state. Like, you know, he's been looking at several places mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. He really liked going to Boston. Uh, I think you, I wish he had, uh, you know, looked at farther and wider mm-hmm. but he's like a lot of kids it's like well you know you, know, eh, you want to go to college in the south because there's a chance at a beach no he doesn't like the heat <laughs> no, he I likes the cold oh, I, uh, yeah, forgot, yeah. I can't stay in the sand so i i, I see yes. what's coming from all he is a ginger so he has to stay out of the sun so yeah, yeah. yeah exactly i worry about him coming home and talking about park and the car by the far <laughs> yeah that's a wicked pisser man right. <laughs> a wicked pisser <laughs> Wicked piss. Actually, if he said that, I'd I'd I'd, I'd hug him. That would be cool. That, that would be absorbing yourself. In well, Boston. we that better get really back would. to the lineup here. Yes, because yeah, we're at, no, we're officially I at an hour need to right ask now. Ask Morton if he ever saw Black Rain. No, I don't believe I did. That's it's what a good Michael cop movie. It's Michael Douglas. Scott, Michael right? Douglas. Yes. yes, Garcia. Andy Garcia. Andy. Oh, oh yeah, Fandy Garcia. It's filmed in Japan too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. is. Right, Hold right that up one up and watch it sometimes. I think you'll enjoy it. I remember that. I, I've always well. heard that it 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 didn't really super do well, but that it was well made. It was, it was well ba- made. It didn't do bad. Yeah, it was not a box office it, hit it, it by far, but yeah. it was not bad. Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, the first of uh, Ridley Scott's collaborations with Hans Zimmer. The uh, oh yes, the, the composer uh, who's done the composer has done a lot of things. So like that. so he moves from. Alien, which is a huge success. That's huge, right. yes. Uh, to Blade Runner. So he stays in sort of... No, Blade Runner was before Alien. No. No. no, no 82. Yeah. And 82. Blade Runner was... I mean, Blade Runner was 82 and uh, Alien was 79. 79. So that was kind of his yeah. next one. Okay. And it's it's still right. considered one of the most influential science fiction in particular. Not a huge success at first. Not a, it is, but it's, it's still considered it, one of the greatest... It's sort of caught on on cable. That was part of it, yeah. And it's just... It, because Ridley Scott made it, it was so good. It was you kind of the the ascendancy of HBO and, sort and of. because you kind of got to see it, it was so deep. The source material does this, and I'll give Philip K. Dick a lot of credit for that. When you start going into the nature of humanity at this level, what is human, what is not? Yeah, yeah. it's a little heady. It is he- it is heavy, yeah. very heavy. Yeah. It is it is very weird at times. I think. I mean, you've got well, an amazing. Visually, it's a very it's, uh, it's in, striking movie. It's intended to be. Feel the visuals in that movie. That's right. That's, that's what yeah. you I think watch. That's it. what people realize. This this guy, Ridley Scott, is more than just the duelists. He's more than just alien. He's more than just horror. He's more than just historical. He has got a vision and a craft ability mm-hmm. that, because that's what carried him forward. Uh, that it was enabled, you know, because, yeah. you, you know, anybody can do a good one once. You got to do it yeah. twice, you know, to quote George Lazenby, to get anywhere. So you take the prom queen home at least once, is what you're saying? No, you, or marry her. More, yeah, you got to marry her too. Ironic because yeah. it came from Lazenby. Lazenby. Well, because he only did one Bond only movie, one and he book. says, you know, he <laughs> yeah. says, my advice to anybody: do two. Uh-huh. Whatever it is, make sure you do <laughs> yeah, two. Do two. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And it's, uh, well, you can't leave your mark on something if you only do one. Well, that's right, because then you're just a flash in the pan. You got to have some sustainability. Right. And, and 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 I am. I'm a supernova then. Well, well, <laughs> well, it comes to marriage, certainly. <laughs> well, so, so Scott comes out of Blade Runner 
essentially a success because it didn't do oh, bad. Yeah. It didn't lose money. Right, right. It, right. It, I mean, it was, and it, 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 it's it's something that they've realized. Let's let you do what you want to do. Yeah, he very quickly found that. Now, I say quickly, at least as far as uh, movies go, because obviously he did the thousands of commercials. He said, so you know, he's obviously. He's established reputation. He can do the things that he's to hit the marks and bring things on budget and all that kind of thing. That That's which right. is important. But very quickly, you're right. He he does get that gets to that point where hmm, we can let this guy do just about anything. Yeah, and that's what and, and which is what he does. He goes yeah. all the again. I do not tend to follow the directors. I don't look to see who directed stuff mm-hmm. uh, like you guys do. Um, you know, I'll, I'll know that stuff, but not necessarily. You know, it's not. It's also not a primary concern of me when I do. I, when I see the the previews, does it look yeah. interesting? Okay, I'll go I'm see. The same it. way. I either like it or I don't. I don't care who's in it, who directed it, who done what. Exactly. You see, so and I'm different. Ridley Scott. I'm going to show up because I've never been disappointed. Right. I get that, and, and that's perfectly fine. It's just a different approach. So, but all the ones that I can think of that I know are his, they're big. They're spectacles. They are. He does not do the quiet. Character-driven. Not that he doesn't do characters, because we just talked about that. Yeah, but he doesn't do that quiet, character-driven story that that is uh, about two people falling in love. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's not doing the Hallmark yeah, movie. Well, exactly. no, but although the Hallmark movies aren't really you know, a character movie he, either. He's very he's, he's subversive. Yeah, it's the same characters over and over. Exactly. <laughs> he's done more than you might imagine, though. Well, I, I know he has. I'm. Just, I yeah. said the movies that I can think that you of. Remember? Like, yes. That's where he makes his mark. That's what he's known for. That's what he's right. Which is for. kind of my point, though. That's why Napoleon is kind of the thing. Right. Uh, who that's, else would do that? Well, right. That's Hannibal a really Scott character driven. Yeah, well. <laughs> Very much so, yeah, exactly. In fact, it's been a criticism. Maybe not the character we would approve of. <laughs> the criticism of, of Napoleon, you know, as as it's out in theaters now, is, wait a minute, this is all about Joaquin Phoenix banging Vanessa Kirby. And that's because they he's, t- he's deliberately made a decision to take this down to these two characters. Mm-hmm. And and some people dislike the fact, well, he he's wins all these battles and stuff, which he does do justice to. Mind you, the well, you have to do that nowadays. You've got to right. do the explosions and what. That's happens. right, and he does he does Austerlitz in such a way that is absolutely scary as hell because we've seen the clips of that, uh, and that's Napoleon's greatest victory. So you know, the, he I, I think all the criticism against him, and granted, I'm a fanboy, so I'm going to probably I'm going to definitely take his side. But he learns all this through. I mean, his amazing career of that. Uh, his his movie after Blade Runner. I want to spend a moment with it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Legend. Well, you think of something else? No, no, no. I wanted to hear you talk, fill in the gap. Tom Cruise legend? Tom Cruise legend. I yeah. did not realize he did that. That one. was he. Yeah. I've seen, there you go. Tom Cruise, who at the time was really, because this is. Pre, he was young. He was very young. Pre Top Gun, pre Risky oh, Business. Yes. He's just really making his thing. Mia Sarah, which I know you all had a crush on yes. in the days. She's a very beautiful, amazing lady. Uh, this. Uh, who kind of left Hollywood after that, but she did an amazing uh, job. She, no, well, she did there are three movies I know her in. Yeah. So Legend, Ferris Bueller, yeah. and Time Cop. Correct. Yeah. Those are the, those are the only three I know. Those, of. And that's yeah. about and I know right. She, right. She's that's done. I know she's done more, but I just don't but know. You're them. right. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, and this was one of her early movies, and and our, one of our favorite actors, Tim Curry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who yeah, who yes. is plays the Satan character with the huge horns. Mm-hmm. 
unrecognizable in many ways, but except for his elan and his bluster <laughs> and his amazing Tim Curryness. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, we want to give a shout out to Tim Curry as an amazing actor because he had a stroke several years ago and is essentially debilitated. Yes. Uh, paralyzed to the point. I where love he can... the the Tim Curryness. Yes. Because you understand that. Absolutely. We get that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, right. if yes. you know if you know Tim Curry, you say this has got a Tim Curryness to it. Mm-hmm. That means something. That's, that's exactly right. Very and well that, done. And that's and, and, thank you, thank you. I love that movie. Ironically, uh, it was one of those movies which was really weird because he's still they've taken the training wheels off a little bit, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, uh, they filmed that Jerry Goldsmith, who we all know, he did Star Trek: The First Motion Picture mm-hmm. and many other movies. He did the score for soundtrack, that. Soundtrack, yes, yeah, soundtracks for that. And in America. They changed it and brought in Tangerine Dream. Oh, didn't know that. You have to see. The, I didn't know there was different. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's that's it, not surprising though. I mean, that's right. It, I think that's probably more common than we realize. That was a thing. Tangerine Dream was a bit was big in the eighties, and as we might remember, and it was kind of like let's lean into this. Uh, they recently restored back the original score from Jerry Goldsmith, who. You know, may he rest in peace. Is one of the greatest composers oh, yeah. he's ever done. Yeah. Uh, so many different things. I have not seen that version, but now that I've done a little research, hell yes, I'm going to look at it well, and see how it changes the movie. It, the thing that um, high fantasy. Yes, it, it, it's interesting that early on he does not get pegged into uh, a certain kind of movie, mm-hmm. and that that's the only kind he does. That's why I wanted um, to make sure I mentioned Legend because, because you're right. You know, Are you yes. calling legend high fantasy? Absolutely. Uh, I go fantasy. I don't know that I go high fantasy. It's definitely that. fantasy. I, yeah, I guess it depends on how you want to define high fantasy. Yeah. Just, okay, yeah. He's a fanboy. Yeah. yeah. Well, but I mean, but uh, the point though is that no question it is true fantasy. I mean, he yeah. he did the Duelist, which granted it, it, it's it's an historical. Correct. It, you know, he uh-huh. he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Did he ever do a movie that just was set in a modern setting, you know, like New York sure, City? Sure, absolutely. Well, Thelma Black Louise. Rain. Black we Black Rain. Black, okay, so I, I never yeah. saw that. Thelma and Louise. Yeah. Was, ah, yes, Thelma and Louise. Thelma yes. Louise. Which, is, which is a huge one I was yeah. going to get to in a second. But, um, no. So, But for the most part, though, he's known for the historical epics or the science, science fiction, fiction epics. Yeah. The things that are not with the big budget. Uh, yeah, Watch thing. Over Me was a romantic thriller with Tom Berenger and Mimi Rogers. In 87, that's right. Oh, he's oh, done, that's yeah. what I'm saying. He's, he's done, done a lot more than you realize we just remember those big budget ones Mm -hmm. uh, like again i don't pay attention so you know yeah it's just well it's good to fill in the gaps though between blade runner and gladiator yes because that would seem like that that's kind of a gap but it really isn't no not at all he was working and busy and then black rain followed watch after me yeah that's exactly right Mm -hmm. then you got you got thelma louise in 1991 which of course was an amazing movie for the time, it's oh, considered yeah. it's considered to be one of the greatest "quote unquote" feminist uh, anthems well, it, of all time. It was a really, you know, took the buddy movie and changed it around. Yeah, and 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 made it a little different and and very young engaging. Brad Pitt. In that young too. Brad, yeah, Brad Pitt didn't wasn't anybody in that. And you know, yeah. when he made that movie, and yet you, you, it's, it's still one of those movies that is an and amazing it's quoted. Movie. Oh yeah, Even these days. I well, mean, it's it, some reference, a reference or a it, quote. It, it figures it. in as one of the as one of the underlying themes in my second book. Uh, but the, the two women who take off on the road, uh, they 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 reference themselves yeah, yeah. as Thelma Louise. Road trip. Um, he also goes back to his commercial roots. He does the 1984 Big Brother. I was wanting you to say that commercial. Yeah. Uh-huh. I did oh, not know that, but yeah. now that it's pointed out to me, he's like, 
oh, well, of course, that's absolutely a Ridley Scott. That's exactly right. That's yeah. right. He, yeah. he does all, all that sort of stuff like that. He's so many movies. I mean, for, uh, one of his for often forgotten movies, because you can hardly find it these days, 1492, The Conquest mm-hmm. of Paradise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he does that with Gerard Depardieu. Uh, yes, but he's not quite so um, uh, fond anymore. People are not quite so fond of him. Oh anymore. no, nobody likes Jarre anymore since he became yeah. a Russian citizen and he pissed on the plane and things like that. Uh, well, no, uh, didn't he have some kind of sexual assault thing come up? Uh, probably. Gerard has a long list of issues, yeah. problems, and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, if he didn't, I apologize. Uh, sorry, I, but I, I, I thought I, I read something about are that. Are you meaning. saying he'd be an excellent person to portray the Medicaqua? Perhaps, but Gerard is so fat these days, so it's an enormous... Uh, well, wasn't the sadist pretty good size himself? Uh, I, I believe so. Uh, I think he enjoyed perhaps. life to the fullest of food but, and other luxuries. Trust me, Gerard needs needs a movie role these days. I, I, hey, I like Gerard in certain roles. He did some very good jobs in, in certain things. 1492, he makes a good Christopher Columbus. He was still in. He was still at the height of his time at that time. And it was re- released, come on, remember, in 1992. So it's yeah. kind of like we had to do this and as as a character to you know as an actor to portray columbus well yeah and hey it's really scott it's still a great van gellis once again did the soundtrack for the movie it's still one of those one of those movies that i enjoy watching even even now today even though columbus is something that we don't talk about and we never watched it myself it's it's worth it's worth your time it's worth your time on that and i mean he did a lot of work in the 90s you know he did gi jane that the cajun you've mentioned before yeah me more yeah uh, who was very hot at the time and uh, uh, Tom Skerritt? Tom uh, Tom Skerritt. Which one came uh, That was, was that? Uh, I want to say that was Tom Skerritt. Skerritt. Who, who, of course, had I'm already worked with him. Yeah. He had worked with him in Alien. So they, yep. you know, there's, there are certain things like with regards mm-hmm. to that. But to bring us kind of, trying to try to bring us back in, because it's very hard to try to get all of his stuff done, and I know we're running short on time. Gladiator, in many respects, in 2000. In many respects, by, is his... Piesta Resistance. It's the it's it, his it apex. It reestablishes the sword and sandal epic as a viable commercial. Absolutely. Yes, game. and he goes on to do several more well, in a similar. Kingdom of Heaven was Kingdom an amazing movie. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing yeah, I don't movie. think I ever saw that. You really should. If I did, I just don't remember. I, it, uh, Watch the extended. Thank you Ridley for mentioning Scott. that because it was one of those things. It, you know, he, when he does historical epics, they're long, and they had had him cut down kingdom of heaven to get it into that two and a half hour mode and he, he says even today that was one of the biggest regrets of his entire career that he allowed that because well at some point that's not up to him that's correct yeah and that's oh, right yeah. but you know at this point you know this is 2005 2006 he is i don't know what the contract says he, he's so. already well won, that's what i mean already won but even picture. so the, the, his history you know. is of himself he's ridley scott by this time yeah and it's got to the point where and we all love eva green of course uh, she basically had a much of her role in that movie eviscerated mm. because of for time, and he says that's one thing he the hated. Whole subplot with the her whole subplot son. with her and her son, and it's the fact that she out. euthanizes him because he's developed leprosy, which she's witnessed in her brother, and it's it's there's a humanization of that whole character and that whole arc that is that makes that movie so much better. It's, yeah, there's uh, a lot more to it if you watch right. the whole deal. I mean, I don't guess I've ever seen the extended version. You should watch it absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, some of it there, there's been some criticism of allowing Orlando Bloom to be the main lead, and they think that's one of the reasons that it didn't do as well. He wasn't as big enough of a name as he mm-hmm. could have. But that's been. the thing, though. Yeah, Ridley Scott 
is known at least, certainly after the fact. Maybe that's not his reputation. Reputation, but if you look back at his career, he does that. Yeah, he makes stars. Hell yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver becomes a star. Yes, because of him. Uh, Harrison Ford. Yes, he's had Star Wars and he's had Indiana Jones. Yeah, you time. can't. No, I don't really count you that can't, one. But no. he, but he, 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 he made him something more than just a one or two note. Figure yeah. he, he 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 helped him bloom into making some other movies that he probably would not have made. Yeah, he put him I, in I a different know. category on that is what I would say. Yeah, yeah because yeah, well, he gave him certainly a part with more meat yeah, than he had. Role. But think, honestly, I think, I think Harrison Ford would have gotten gotten those roles anyway. Well, but I think probably Witness so. doesn't happen for yeah. Harrison Ford without. Maybe. That's a, you're someone. Exactly, someone else would have been in witness. I think, and you've got Blade several, Runner. quite a few well, of without Hor- witness. You don't do regarding Henry. I was going to say regarding Henry is in there, and you've got Sabrina in there, and you've got lots of other movies that Harrison Ford really blooms as. A I mean, I think he still, he probably still does Fugitive. Well, that, Fugitive was a was a was a kind of a reboot in many respects. Yeah. It was kind of like yeah, once, but he had never been in it before, right? But it was something that his care his career had. I don't want to say stalled, but his had really kind of reinvigorated it in certain ways, and that was some of the reason. Yeah, you know, but, well, he had also gotten to the point where he could choose whatever he wanted. Yeah, and and, and he, he didn't thought, have to work. Had, sometimes that's a that's a that's a flaw for some from yeah. actors that you yeah. know if they pick poorly. Uh, he's always been very good at knowing how to do it. Of course, he yeah. knows he loves his craft. Where I want to get on, we probably ought to do a Harrison Ford episode. To be honest. Probably. I mean, look at him now. He's playing a Dutton. So what the hell else? Absolutely. Can you say? I was going to say that's uh, and, and and very very well. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't thoroughly thrilled with Orlando Bloom in Kingdom of Heaven, but he was okay. He was yeah. He was he, he's good with his craft. I liked it. He's a pretty boy though. Well, and that's that's what's the criticism. I think that's probably that what criticism. detracts yep. so much. He's just too pretty to that's, be. That's correct. And it was, there, there was no, as this war. Whereas he's coming off of just five years later from Russell Crowe, who definitely sells the hard. Wasn't Orlando oil. Bloom in the? Uh, Lord of the Rings movies. Yes, yes he was. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So it's not like he's. Yeah. So it's not like he's an unknown. Well, not it's, at all. He's well so, known. At this but time. I mean, you made a comment about that that he was not established or anything. But he was. He was in three of the biggest blockbusters. Yes, ever. but well, this, I mean, not all three. But, but he's lead in this one. Yeah, that's I get the that, difference. But it's still. That's he's not. He's had exposure. He's had exposure. He's experienced. So that's why they could sell it. But having him lead the, lead the charge, he'd not done. He'd done Troy at this point under Brad Pitt too. So you've got all these things where he's up and coming. Here's a chance. To let you lead the charge, and it was okay. I, in my opinion, you've got some really great actors. You've got some really great moments. Yeah. Uh, I think Kingdom of Heaven is one of his crowning achievements, and we can talk a long, a long, long time yeah, on that, so yeah. many others. Yeah, I mean, Kingdom. I can talk along. I, I really do enjoy Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah, it is. I will not, say, not this. everyone does, and yeah. I, I respect that. I, but yeah, I, I don't really. Know. Like I, it. I may have seen it. Honestly, I don't remember. Yeah, and, um, I, and I, we kind of have to wrap this up. Here. Yeah. I mean, there's so many other movies that we could he, talk about. He certainly seems to be a director that is not concerned about getting two or three movies in every year. Oh, not at all. Because no. if you look at his his body of work, there's not you know a movie every single year or anything like that. Oh no, he takes his time uh, and does his. Which you know he can because he's getting paid enough to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you know certainly, like I said, he's got great characters. Generally speaking. In his movies, uh, but he is, you know, the big blockbuster kind of guy. You know, yeah. you're not going to hire him to do the love story. No, but I mean, he, not saying he couldn't. That's right. And that's not he, why you hire. And him. He, it's right. He's 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 kind of fallen into that, and yet he's done so many different things. I mean, we don't realize so much. We, well, one of his biggest things recently was the Motion. 
That's correct. Yes. The Martian was one. Was you his. can't pass over that one. Absolutely. That, that's an interesting movie and book mm-hmm. uh, because it's a book in which the the hero doesn't change. He's essentially the same guy at the beginning as is he, as he is at the end. The only difference is the he's finally made it survival. home. Yeah, survival. Yeah, right. He's I just mean, made it home. It's a yeah. different theme. That's right. It's yeah. A different it's just one of the, it's, but it's one of those things what you rarely see because even most survival movies. The character changes or learns something about himself, oh, whatever. Tom Hanks in Castaway is the perfect example. Yes, that's yes. A, that's a fantastic a great example. example. I wouldn't say he didn't learn something. I mean, he learned to keep pushing himself, not to give up. I mean, yeah, but I mean, that's all that focus out on the screen itself. Yeah, but I think, you know, when he gets back home, he's still essentially the same guy. Which is very much is like you're going to go back to Mars? Hell no! <laughs> and, and there's and that's that's just the, the genius of both the source material and, yes, and the movie. Yes. That he it's just did. it's just interesting because I had I was I forget uh, one of the podcasts uh, might have been the Story Grid podcast I don't remember but they were talking about that and they were laying out they went into a much greater detail and they were basing it more on the book than the movie because the book is going to be more detailed. I'm read book. Yeah, I haven't either. But it was just interesting because they were laying out the story, the case for it. And it's like, holy crap, that's because I remember the movie and it, it's a great movie, loved it. And yeah, you know, it certainly he got to play out his strengths and all that, uh, and, and find out what he could really do. But essentially, yep, he's the same guy when he got home. It's like, wow, you know, that is unusual from a, from a story perspective. You're absolutely yeah. right; it doesn't happen. But it worked. But it's right if you do it well. If you if you work through that, I mean, and that's and that's just a tribute to Scott that he was able yeah. to do that, and he does so many. Well, I think it's a tribute to the source material as that's well. That's correct. That's right because the book itself was was a huge hit long before the movie was ever yeah. made, and it's kind of one of those things that as aspiring authors they they point to saying, "See, here's how you do it well." He's done quite a few adaptations. Well, too. you know, it's kind of a tribute to the common man too. You yes, can exactly. Be yourself, I was say that. Right. Not have to change to face trials and tribulations, which and is yeah, he is the everyman. He's he, right. he, 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 Steve Rogers. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. Uh, in certain ways, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's the same thing. Yeah. That's that. Because in many ways, Captain America is the same as Steve Rogers. There is no difference. That's correct. He's. I mean, he goes up against the Ubermensch of the Red Skull, which they did so brilliantly in that first movie. He says, "No, I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. No, I'm not." The well, even when he takes man. on Thanos, that's he right. Is you know. yeah, he's just you know, I I am you know. The guy, but anyway, mm-hmm. we could go down a rabbit hole yes. on that. I want I want to uh, to finish all this up. There's so many different yeah. movies. I wish we could mention them all. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the point, though. That's correct. They're all worth watching. Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down <laughs> definitely Black needs Hawk a mention. Down. The Last Duel he did yes. not not long ago is an excellent movie with Matt Damon. Uh, once again, uh, and I'm sure there's others that the only one that he is that he did. I will make a brief mention of this. That kind of was Exodus. Um, uh, Exodus, God and Kings is a biblically inspired epic. You think that would be his uh, forte? It's the only one of his movies that really kind of tanked. Uh, nobody's ever blaming him for that. We're not sure what it did on that. There's been a lot of talk about it. But as a general rule, when really Scott makes a movie, people show up. Yeah, but see, and they, and they, and they make material. Money. I don't know that that I don't know that you can really do biblical epics anymore. And that's kind of where and we besides, landed. Besides, yeah. Ten yeah. Commandments has already been done. Well, that's yeah. that was also talked about. Yeah. Said, why are you doing this again? Mm-hmm. What do you have new to bring to this other than being Ridley Scott? Uh, again, uh, I think I think Napoleon is turning out to be a triumph deluxe in many ways. It's never it's never going to be. Uh, a, a summer tentpole movie. It's not intended to be, mm-hmm. but uh, like I say, I've seen scenes from it. I'm hoping maybe to see the actual movie this evening. I've been looking forward to it for a long time. It was originally going to be called Kitbag, which I thought was the 
dumbest name they could ever come up with, but they finally nailed it where it was supposed to be. And uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix did great in Gladiator. We'll all agree with that. I think he did a fantastic job from what I've seen in this movie. Mm-hmm. Vanessa Kirby is an absolute delight. I love her in The Crown and a few other things. Don't look at me that way. Yes, I know she's <laughs> a very she is an amazingly beautiful woman. There's no question about that. And yes. talented. Uh, nevertheless. Well, hopefully a, Gladiator 2 will make something of it. I know we're already talking about that. So yes. mm-hmm. at 86, he doesn't slow any show any signs of slowing down. Yeah, the uh, only danger is he dies before he finishes one of these things. Well, and well, I mean, currently he's uh, he's as snarky as he ever was because, like I say, he the, he he pushes back with with a fist against all his critics over Napoleon, saying, you know, get a life. Basically, this yeah. is meant to entertain. It's meant to be good stuff. And there's no doubt in my mind from everybody, even the French guys who certainly have a reason to know Sabo are saying it's great. So uh, mm-hmm. we love Ridley Scott. I'm sorry. I'm a fanboy. There it is. Okay. Cool. All right. So how much did Ridley pay you for that? Not, yeah, not, <laughs> not, not enough, right? Not, not enough. Well, what was it said earlier? It's who you know, who you blow? That's okay, right. Okay, we well, know what got paid. I, I, I can tell you this much. He's one of those guys I would love if he, you know, we talked about who we'd like to have dinner with. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Ridley Scott would absolutely be one of those guys. Okay, yeah. so... Uh, Francis, what's next? Let's let's move this on because we're we're at over. What's next is a restraining order for Ridley Scott. (laughs) (laughs) The pain. I did call him Sheldon earlier, didn't I? Pain. The pain. I got to give that a word boner because that's not even you know that's it's just that's really good. Uh Well, we're gonna. (laughs) They're going to wrest the captaincy back from me by mutiny, and Robert's going to take over again since we're in his place, and we're going to go to code of honor, and I'm sure it won't be anything to do with Ridley Scott because no. they're going to pummel me for this episode, but God damn it, it's in the can and I love it anyway. Yeah, but yeah. you did a great job, sir. Thank you, you. thank you. Somebody you appreciates me at least. Job. You did a fine job, very yeah. fine job, okay. very fine. Thank we'll, you. Thank we'll you. wipe that seat down with a towel. Uh, of course, you're going to yeah. go there. Join us next episode. Code of Honor. Great quotations. Be here. We hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes drop every second and fourth Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern just in time for your morning commute. And every fifth Friday, we drop a special Hoopajube episode. Spread the word. We are on all the major platforms. And leave us a review. That helps others find us. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. Join us next time. Same snake time, same otter channel. <laughs>